Split Tube Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king, king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Read Stephen King's books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. I have done my best. To scare the shit out of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, welcome back to. <laughs> I didn't mean to. to I just wasn't expecting. Snarf you. <laughs> welcome uh, back to where, Jason? Where are we now? Uh, hell. We're in hell. <laughs> Hello. But a special hell. Yeah. A hell. A hell of our own making. <laughs> to the king. <laughs> this is the special October daily podcast edition of Synesthesia. Hell to the king. We're on day six, Jim. No. The week is almost over. I can't believe it. We've almost made it through an entire week of Stephen King movies, and not just one movie a day. Yeah, we're sometimes on, four movies. We're on our sixth day, yeah, and our tenth movie. That yeah, okay, that's correct. Earlier, I was like, I feel like we've done ten of these, and perhaps yeah. it's because we have, but in movies, not these. in, yes. not in episodes. God, why did we make this so hard on ourselves? <laughs> we should have done a half a movie every day. I mean, we should have said no. Yeah, we should have not. First, I should have said no to myself, and yeah, when then you, you should have said no plan, to me. You should have been like, that's a bad plan. And then when you pitched me this plan, I should have been like, that's a bad plan. <laughs> to be fair, I think when I pitched it to you, I said, now this is a bad idea, but... Yeah, you did, you did front with you that. Do you want to do this? I really, the, the like, kicker was that you were like, hey, here's a terrible idea I had. And I was like, oh, I love that because of how great every Stephen King movie is. And you were like, oh, no, 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 you're wrong. Every Stephen King movie is terrible. And then we were like, oh, I guess we have to for society. I feel like we're doing community service right now. <laughs> In Castle Rock. In Castle Rock. Yeah. It's like we committed a Castle Rock crime uh, and somehow didn't get murdered by a weird spirit because... If you commit a crime in Stephen Kingtown, chances are you're going to get murdered by a van full of worms. Or elsewhere. Uh, our, our movie today, uh, one of the ones that does not take place in New England at all. Yeah, that threw me. That threw me. I was expecting... I also... I think it says... Does it say near the beginning where it is and I ignored it and then I just spent a while being like, where is this supposed to be? Because it doesn't feel like New England. Um, or maybe it doesn't I, say and I'm not a dum-dum but, but either I way do, i don't remember if it said specifically where it was but it definitely is in like the corn belt you yeah know? it's very midwest yeah which took uh, i was i thought that all of these were going to be in new england um i and i was disappointed i i feel like if i'd for thought only about that it, reason <laughs> if i'd thought about it i would have known that they couldn't possibly all take place in New England. First of all, The Shining Why? takes place, what, in Colorado? Yeah, but they're from New England. 
True. Yeah. So they're bringing it with them. Yeah. Um, well, the, so the couple in this could be from New England. Oh, and I think true. in the short story, they might be. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, I know in the short story, they're driving cross country, but in the short story, they're also a slightly older married couple that hates each other. Oh, is this one that you've read? Fun, yes, this okay. is one that I have read. So I will be relying on that for a lot of what I have to say, because beyond <laughs> that, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say about this movie. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the movie we're talking about, of course, is Children of the Corn. Oh, from wait, really? I'm just kidding. I knew. I knew it was that. <laughs> wait, which Corn Belt-based Stephen <laughs> King movie did you watch? I thought we were watching King Corn, the documentary about how we should eat less corn, and corn is taking over the... That feels Stephen narrated, King-y. Narrated by Stephen King? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He blasts like, through it on a mini just a job I wanted to do. Yeah, he just... It's his community service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, so we're, we had a good, good day yesterday. We doubled up on some, some really, some solid movies. Some solid movies. It was like a good one-two punch, a, a decent king. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, what we've decided is maybe the best Stephen King movie, at least so far, yeah. The Dead Zone. Yeah. And Christine, which is not prime Carpenter, but no. it's still Carpenter. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is exactly. And it's that. not even. It's not even like the Ward Carpenter. It's like Carpenter in his prime era, just not yeah. quite living up to prime. Yeah, yeah. All of the elements visually and auditory. Well, we already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? Jim, I, let's a, just talk about Christine again, <laughs> because otherwise we have to talk about Children of the Corn. <laughs> I feel like no one is going to listen to these in at the same pace that we are generating them. Um, <laughs> So no one's going to be like, oh, I just listened to that yesterday. But if someone had, can you imagine how mad they would be if we were like, we're just going to talk about the same two things. Let's just reiterate all of our thoughts from yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Children of the Corn. Jason, do you know how many of these movies there are? Not King, uh, Children of the Corn. It's a whole series, right? It is a full franchise. I mean, I don't it's know how many. It's a full franchise, a full franchise that's been rebooted. Has it really? I think so. Wow. I think there was them. a I think there was a, a an aughts reboot. Wow. With now that has sequel. Because people must care about this movie. People really responded to it in so I mean it when it came out I think it was pretty much panned and ignored, but it became like this cult classic, okay. I guess. And I can you know what I mean we're we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I can see why. There are a few things in this movie that I did think were genuinely awesome. Sure. Like and that one kid? That one kid is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who's actually like a 30-year-old yeah. little person, I think. Um, but he's really good. Yeah. Um, and I, there's just some bonkers shit in it that not enough for me to say that it's a good movie. No. <laughs> but enough that I could see it lingering in your mind and thinking like, I want to. I want to go back and revisit that world. I want to go do something better in that world. Maybe so. It actually makes me sure. curious to watch the sequels. Sure, uh, especially they're if they're anything. not made by the same people. Uh, just to see if they're if if they latched on to the same things I latched on to of what was kind of fun about it mm-hmm. and went back and made maybe a better better movies, leaning on the fun stuff. Sure. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But I am curious now. Um, so I've replaced the slate going forward with only Children of the Corn movies. Perfect. I'm very happy with that. Yeah. Um, no, is, there, uh, is there a sequel? <laughs> Do they go far enough to make Children of the Children of the Corn? I know that they go far enough that they have 
the guy who plays Isaac, the little kid, come back as a like an old adult. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think they brought him back when the actor was like 60 or something. Sure, sure. Did he still look like a child? I haven't seen it. I mean, he didn't look like a child in terms of Jason, the wrinkles on his face. watch it now and um, come back and tell me. So, where should we start with Children of the Corn? Uh, who are the children of the corn this is so this one is new world this one is uh yeah that's a good place to start talk about new world for a minute yeah because that's no matter what children of the corn is new world is worth talking about right that's roger corman in the 70s pretty much the full run of the 70s right i Uh, believe so and I think the company into the, kept going... Certainly into the 80s, because this is 84. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, So it's 70s, 80s, and then I think the company keeps going into the 90s, but I think he dips out at some oh, point. Oh, maybe he dips out earlier than... No, because he... I think New World... Did New World produce his Fantastic Four in the 90s? Oh, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about this thing that we don't actually uh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, here, I'm looking it up right now. They uh, Rupert Murdoch bought into it in 94 and bought it out in 97, so he was still involved until 97. Okay. Um, and he started it in 1970, Roger Corman, and uh, made a bunch of great stuff under New World. I, for me, I feel like I feel like the older Roger Corman stuff is, like, beautiful prime... is, like, be- beautiful... Uh, t- uh, Roger Corman stuff, and then the American International, which is like the stuff he's doing before this, this like really starts to heat up. But like the New World, I think is where it is where it really catches fire, right? That's like where he's he's doing he's like inventing Joe Dante and Ron Howard, and he's making Death Race two thousand and uh, Piranha two: The Spawning. You know, that's all that's yeah. all New World. That's sort of for me the the best era of Roger Corman. I, I won't go quite that far because I have such... you love the American International stuff. <laughs> I love the American... I love especially his Poe stuff. Sure. His Poe and, and Lovecraft stuff with Vincent Price. I mean, especially because that stuff is so... First of all, it's so, like... The color use in those films mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. is so ahead of its time. It's true. I mean, by only a few years, but but those few years were really significant um, to be doing the kind of deep, psychedelic, vibrant colors that he was doing before the psychedelic part of the 60s really heated up. For sure. And then, for, uh, and then that color usage is a direct influence on the Italian horror movies of the 70s and 80s. For sure. Um, like Mario Bava and Dario Argento, you don't get them without those Corman films. So those Corman films are really important to me. That's true. That's true. They are they're like deeply fundamental to things that are fundamental to what is cool right now, right? They're like yeah, they're like they, that's the root of all the things that we love. I think is is that I, early Corman? Yeah, that's there, also there's a lot of it in there. That early era of Corman, it's also when he was inventing Francis Ford Coppola and maybe Martin Scorsese. Unless I made that up. Um, who did Corman produce Boxcar Bertha? I don't know. (laughs) Or Alice doesn't live here anymore? I, yeah, I want to say yes. Uh, I I think he also invented Jonathan Demme, but I think that was in the later phase. Yeah, I think Demme came in, I don't remember when Caged Heat was. That's, it's gotta be mid-80s. Or, I don't know, if he did earlier stuff than that even, I can't remember. But yeah, so, regardless, absolutely, New World 
essential. Yeah. Um, yeah, Roger Corman inventing everyone. Yeah. He, uh, well, he was providing... Sorry, let's just dip into Roger Corman for a minute, because this is a thing that I think is important culturally, which is that we used to have... Corman, I think, is the biggest one, but there are other dudes, and Troma kind of did this, too, and, and there are other folks. But there used to be sort of, like, B-level movie production houses that were trying new talent and we're or we're bubbling them up right there's like there's that whole story about james cameron again came up came up through corman where he was on i don't remember what movie it is but he was on some movie he was like a pa um and there was a dead arm with maggots on it and th- they were like oh why can't we get these dumb maggots to squirm and little baby jimmy cameron came over and was like oh what if i hook this arm up to a car battery and so he ran a, a voltage through the arm and all those maggots squirmed and they got their shot and corman was like great why don't you direct piranha 2 um, is that galaxy of terror maybe i would um, believe so, that. Some, somebody out there knows and is mad yeah. at me for not knowing. yeah someone's like come on guys tell the story right um but that, that's there used to be sort of this like beautiful uh, system where then then Corman would be like, okay, I'm going to give you a movie that costs fifty thousand dollars and you have a week to make it. Here's the script. Here's the people that are going to star in it. Let's see what you can do. Right? Yeah. Um, and we just don't have that kind of a system anymore because we don't have we have sort of the bottom level of indie film where it's like you scrape together some money and put some stuff on a credit card and make your movie that you are the one who cares about. Mm-hmm. And we have studio movies. Uh, but there's nothing, there's no sort of small scale studio that's that's bringing up new talent and finding people and giving them a place to to try things and find themselves. And I think that it's... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say like the closest eight years thing... we're going to run out of people who can make movies. Yeah, well, and yeah, well, if there's even, I don't know, I'm not going to get into the <laughs> prediction game, but um, I feel like the closest thing to what you're talking about would be something like Asylum, and Asylum's not interested in making real movies. Yeah, they like, don't... That's they the big difference, make... is that Corman wanted to make yes. real movies. They were, right. They're they're sleazy or trashy or, you know, exploitation films, but yeah. if they hit uh, their, their marks, then they could be whatever else they wanted to be. Yes. And that's... And even Corman now is making, what, like, Sharktopus, or, you know what I mean? He's sort of... That whole part of the industry has fallen by the wayside in lieu of mm-hmm. this sort of sarcastic version of low-budget film. Yeah. Um, people only believe that your low-budget movie can make money if it's intentionally bad. Um, which I think is sad. Yeah. I think that there's a space for movies that are taking a risk and doing something weird. But whatever. <laughs> Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn is New World. This is not one of New World's finest greatest moments but um it is one of their moments it is i'm i'm looking at this right now and the uh when and how roger corman is involved with various things is hard for me to actually parse um he his name is on a lot of stuff yeah yeah i think he was with it until 96 okay but i don't think he was necessarily individually involved with everything i'm sure i'm sure he couldn't have been um Although, if anybody could. But, uh, okay. So, Children of the Corn. Uh, it's it's a New World picture, which did excite me. I love that logo. Of course. Um, I remember that logo from the uh, failed pilot for an X-Men animated show. Before <laughs> the X-Men animated show that actually made it on the air, there was yeah. a different... Uh, pilot that was like really, uh, um, like really lushly animated. Okay. Uh, and 
very close to the at least comics at the time. Oh, that's cool. Uh, or the the comics for, from earlier, and I had a tape of the failed pilot uh, when I was a kid, and I watched it so many times. <laughs> uh, and so that that New World logo means a lot to me. Yeah, coming up, it was like kind of a sign of quality, right? Like the beginning of the VH ta- VHS tape, you're like, oh, this one's probably going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, it at least meant that I don't know it had a pulse. Yeah. Um, but. Where where can we go from there? Let's talk about everything. I think we've we can hit everything. The movie. <laughs> I think we've hit everything, Jason. I don't think um, there's anything left to so cover. That was Children of the Corn. <laughs> uh, it's a movie. Uh, no, we're we're actually giving this movie a little bit short shrift because I don't it's think fine. it's that. It's yeah, fine. It, it, it's not as bad as we're making it sound like. It's certainly no Cujo. Um, <sighs> oh boy! Oh boy! Is it not? I I was actually prepared for this movie to be way worse than it was. Yeah. Uh, though I was not prepared for this movie to be as um, barely competent as it was. That's the thing, right? It, like, has a lot of good elements. It has Linda Hamilton. Yeah, it's it got has a good cast. one 30-year-old man being a child in a super creepy way. It has yeah. some rad effects. The, like, basic story is fine. There's, like, it nothing... It has two or three good scenes. Yeah. But most of it is just sort of clumsily plodding along. What is it with this corn? You got me. I mean, right from the beginning, so we'll, we'll start out right at the beginning of the film. We get pretty decent uh, sort of sepia-toned mm-hmm. imagery of this small town. Uh, it's not entirely clear when this town is supposed to be existing, and that's actually, I think, a it's problem at the, at the core of this adaptation. <laughs> I, I actually don't know that it you is. You don't think so? I, okay. I think it's a problem at the core of this adaptation. It has to do with, with a major change they made from the short story oh, okay. that I think they didn't understand what to do with it. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. I, sorry, I, just, I read it as, like, it's contemporary, but also the 1950s. I thought that was, like, a move they were making. But I thought it was, too, but then they didn't, like, it didn't really do pay anything? off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I could be down for that if then we're going to spend some time in that world and, for sure. and experience how it's weird. Yeah. But instead, uh, we get um, this sort of contemporary slash 1950s <laughs> world yes. narrated by by a bad child narrator. Yes. Who's just... Which, why was that there? Why that have that narration? felt like it was layered on after a test screening and yeah. an executive said, I don't really know what's going on. You need to explain it more. Right. So the kid just like laboriously explains what's about to happen. And then you see <laughs> teenagers and a waitress, unclear? Yeah, yeah. Kill so. an adult waitress? I don't... That was confusing. She was just in for murder, Jason. She was like, oh, there's murders going down. I am in. But yeah, so it, the the movie is about a small town in the Corn Belt in, I think, Iowa or Indiana, some one of those places, sure. where a child preacher convinces all of the children in the town to kill all of the adults in the town. Yes. And then runs the town as his own religious cult, essentially. Yes. Um, which... Solid premise. Yeah. Can I? Can I? I don't know if I'm subverting anything that you're that you're trying to squeeze uh, in gently. Oh, I don't know what I'm trying to squeeze. There's, in. there's a really lovely. This is a thing I've mentioned a couple of times, but I f- I feel like this is a beautiful example of this one aspect of this Stephen King run of films, which is that. And I mean, I don't know how true this is in his books, but I I still I have this 
it seems to me that in Stephen King movies, no one is ever attempting subterfuge. Everyone is just saying what's what's happening, and then things happen. And this movie is a great <laughs> example where they're like, oh, there's a demon out in the field. And you're like, ooh, is it going to be one of those, like, is there a demon, or is this kid just pretending there's a demon to get control? And they're like, no, no, no. We said there's a demon. Like, of course there's a demon out in the field. Why yeah. would we have lied to you about that? Yeah. Um, which is, it seems like Stephen King's approach is it's just very honest. He's never like, ooh, is this this, or is it not this? He's just like, yeah, there's a demon out there continue um and i really love that aspect of it because i spent a minute being like "Ooh, i wonder if it's going to be like not a demon and this kid's just real tricky but like no that's not that's not how these work yeah i mean i do think they wanted you to wonder that sure because they kind of do for a minute you do i well because i i mean you do in the short story as well okay um like you suspect there's probably something because it's a stephen king story and it's probably gonna get supernatural but it could (laughs) until the very end of it could just be a story about some kids who are driven completely insane but is that i guess sure i think if this hadn't been a stephen king movie and if i weren't in the middle of a run if i hadn't just watched 10 stephen king movies i think i maybe would have been like "Ooh, is it or isn't it but i feel like in the context of these movies it's so far a hundred percent of the time at the beginning they're like no he's a psychic now oh all right but this kid (laughs) uh this kid can fly that's the premise of the story let's go you know what i mean it's like it feels Uh like there never isn't a thing he's not he he doesn't they're not going for cheap suspense which is nice yeah. Because that that kind of thing is sort of a yeah that kind, that kind of thing does sort of sap some energy from for sure a thriller where it also you're going, makes it sort of is a, it or isn't it yeah. the first time you find out whether it is or not then yes. there's no more there's then nothing why watch left the, the movie again yeah. yeah exactly which is it's really lovely that it kind of operates this way right because you're yeah. you know exactly what you're going to be getting. Yeah. Um, and, and at the and same then you're time, like, what does it mean that the steam is in the field? Well, how do these people react to that? And that's what the... It makes them more like hurricane movies, right? You're never like, but is there really a hurricane? Yeah. Um, except, I guess, in Take Shelter. But that's not really a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the other thing, too, is that even the way it's played in the movie, um, which is, as we said, very clumsy, uh, not as... <laughs> All not at all as artfully done in the short story, although the short story is not you know that artfully done. There's some, well, I'll talk about the story in a minute. Um, the way they play it, it could just be that the thing is some sort of force as opposed to a le- like an actual sure. physical monster, or it could just be. I guess what I'm trying to say is that even if there isn't a monster that shows up on screen, right, there's there so much horror and terror an entity, already yeah. happening through this that it almost doesn't matter if Isaac's making it up. Sure. Um, and the one thing I actually thought the movie did well on the story version uh, on a story level is that uh, no sooner are we brought into Isaac's world finally towards the end of the movie after so much time is spent on nothing <laughs> yeah um then he's immediately betrayed by malachi immediately. And so it's not even like you even have time to be like oh is this guy lying it's like oh it kind of doesn't matter because they're gonna kill him <laughs> yeah they're like rap, rap. he's gone yeah uh which i thought was really funny um yeah, I, the movie's mostly just clumsy. Yeah. And Which it's is, not like it, there's a ton of story for them to build from in the no. short story. I imagine and that that is true. They they definitely had to make... Basically, they had to make some choices to turn this into a movie, uh, and this whoever the screenwriter was was not up to it. Sure. Um, in, in the story, 
almost everything is explained or takes place. The story is basically this couple is driving across country. Uh, They hate each other. They're taking this trip to sort of try to save their marriage, and they both think it's pretty much doomed. Sure. Um, So you already have this aspect of these people are not deserving to die, but there's this sort of karmic quality to them ending up in this situation um, because they're both really unpleasant people and unpleasant to each other. Yeah. Um, And it goes pretty much like it does at the beginning where they hit the kid, but they hit the kid because they're arguing, not because they're, like, having fun. Oh, interesting. Um, That's immediately a stronger story. Yeah, well, and then they're also, like, both, like, acrimonious towards the other, or, you know, like, it's not... It's not like, oh, no, we hit him, and we're in it together. It's, you know, the the wife is like, you hit him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what have you done? Yeah. Um, and he's like, no, look, his throat was cut. It wasn't me. Uh, so they the kid pops out of the cornfield with his throat cut. They hit him with his car, and then they put him in the trunk to go find a police station. And driving, there's none of the rest of the stuff where they, like, stop with the old gas attendant or do oh, all this. You know, I like that mechanic. And there's no preamble. I did like that mechanic. There's no yeah. preamble in the town. Okay. It just starts on the couple. They're driving. They hit the kid. They put the kid in the trunk. And then as they're driving, they drive through the town. And they're just looking around at the town. And the town is frozen in the 60s. Everything oh. stopped in, like... In the 50s or the 60s. I, I sure. can't remember exactly when the, when the story was written. I think it was probably in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, but the town is stopped like 20 years ago. Okay. Everything, like the the movie theater marquee still says, like, Elizabeth Taylor, Cleopatra. Sure. Um, you know, everything's run down, but it's still like hamburgers of 35 cents. Um, and they're like, well, this is weird. And then they pass the church, and the church has a brand new like quote up on it with today's date and they're like um okay (laughs) so then they stop and the guy goes in to investigate the church and this is another point where the couple hating each other uh makes some real uh he, he gets a little bit of meat out of it because uh she's um he says he wants to go and investigate. And she says, absolutely not. We need yeah. to leave. Sure. And she says, I'm going to wait five minutes. And if you're not out, I'm <laughs> leaving. And he's like, you'll wait two and then claim that something happened. <laughs> and then they fight over her purse and he takes her keys. Oh, that's so good. And so leaves her in the car without keys to go and investigate this church. <laughs> and then it's as he's investigating the church that he just sort of, it's a writer's trick. Uh-huh. King lays out all of these weird, mysterious clues of, like, the book with pe- people's birth and death dates in them, oh, and, sure. uh, you know, the smashed iconography and all, all of these other things. Yeah. And then he just massages it in the narration so that the guy just puts it together. Oh, okay. And, and it, it is as, like, cheap a trick as that sounds, but he does sure. it well enough so that you don't think about it. Sure. Like he just does it well, and he the the trick he does is he has the guy like imagining himself telling this story to his wife and her not believing it, uh-huh. which it like sets up a couple of layers away from the ridiculousness of the plot device that he's using. Sure. Um, but the thing that he puts together and the thing that they don't do in the movie is that this has been going on in this town for a long time. Oh, that's interesting. So in in the movie, I guess because either they didn't want to hire that many kids or they couldn't deal with the ramifications 
of this going on for a long time. Sure. AKA uh, children having sex and having children to replace sure. themselves. Yeah. Um, it, it, probably what they wanted to cut out of the film. Yeah. Um, they sense. have it all have just happened. Yeah. Which does make it kind of, it makes it a much less of a, of a big story, I guess. Or like, for it just sure. takes away some impact of it. Like yeah. they found this town that's been doing this, like the original preacher that came to town mm-hmm. that started all of this has long since been killed for turning 19. Sure. And Isaac is the new preacher who was selected afterwards, who's nine right. years old, and he's the one who hears the voice now. I see. And so it's like this ongoing thing where he's looking through the books and seeing all of these people that have been killed since they're 19. And then there's also a thing. It, yeah. It, was just, in the movie, you're like, oh, this just happened. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this cult is going to last seven years max. And then this kid is going to realize that he set up a situation where he's going to get killed in seven years and he's going to call it off. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, um, it's, yeah, it makes it much stronger for it to have been an ongoing society that operates that way. Yeah, that, so I, that's I a real we, story. We should make sure we should we should be clear in the movie. Part of the takeover of the town by this small preacher is that everybody over eighteen has to die, yeah. which includes the children who are already eighteen. As they yes. turn nineteen, they are sacrificed yeah. to he who walks among the rows, this demon that lives in the cornfield. But but the movie also starts with the town full of adults. They are all murdered. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like within the within the movie, it's like within. And also, they make a point of saying like a time Isaac, jump, but it's like a year or something, right? Like after that, these people if, show up. If that, like, yeah. who knows? It feels um, like it could be the next day. Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't feel like it's any different. And they make a point of saying like Isaac came from somewhere else. Oh right, and convinced all the children. It's like, well, what? That doesn't. What? Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, kids always believe the new kid. Kids always believe the new kid who wears a pilgrim hat and is a preacher. <laughs> yeah, and it's 32. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> so in the story, it, it just, it feels more lived in. It feels more complete. And, sure. And the it also ends with both of them dying. Like, it's not a good sure. ending. <laughs> like, Which makes sense. I was surprised when this ended positively. Oh, yeah. I, like, they don't blow up the monster. The monster is yeah. not killable in sure. the Children of the Corn. Sure, because it should um, just be sort of an amorphous. It should be a spirit, like a yeah, exactly. just a voice in the head of a kid. Yeah, like the husband comes back out of the church and sees the kids surrounding the car, and then both he and his wife are sort of incompetent at fighting them off, and he runs away, and they take her, <laughs> and then he like goes into the cornfield and thinks he's heading towards the highway, but very, very slowly, the corn is reshaping to lead him back to the center of the cornfield, where he finds his wife dead and crucified, and then the thing eats him. But then the thing, the the button at the end of the story, and I'm just telling the whole story because it's so much more interesting than the movie. (laughs) The button at the end of the story is that the he who walks among the rows through Isaac tells everybody that he's really pissed off that he had to kill him <laughs> that they couldn't handle it so yeah. now the age is lowered to 18 oh nice and all the kids who are 18 just walk into the cornfield oh. to be sacrificed <laughs> and it ends on one of the girls who's 17 who's pregnant with Malachi's child okay watching him go and like secretly thinking about how much she hates the corn and dreams about one day walking in and burning it down, but she knows that the thing in the corn sees everything, even into human hearts, and so she just clams it up. And then it just says, like, the corn was happy. Like, it's a much better story that way. That's really strong. Yeah. Like, comparatively. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it's not, and it's like, it's not even one of King's best stories, but it's just a solid sure. little story. Yeah, it's a little um, sweet little nug. 
And I think originally when this movie was going to be made, King wrote the script. Oh, and really? then the, he started it off with like 20 pages of the couple fighting in the car. And the director's yeah. like, I'm not making this movie. <laughs> so. Um, a thing that this movie did that I did really appreciate was it made me look up Gasahol. Uh, they keep <laughs> yeah. they keep referring to it, and I was like, w- "Was this script Is written by a tw- by an actual twelve year old?" But no, that's just what they called ethanol. Yep, back in the day, in yeah, in the uh, corn belt, I guess it's pretty good. Maybe they still do. I don't know. Yeah, that also felt like a weird, um, like the screenwriter or the director decided to try to make some sort of contemporary commentary on ethanol, or you know, because it's eighty four. It's not that long after the um, power crisis of the 70s. Oh, that's true. Ethanol is on the rise. And it felt like some sort of ham-fisted attempt to get some sort of contemporary political thing in there. (laughs) But it didn't go anywhere, and it didn't make any sense. No, but they do talk about it a lot. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on with there. (laughs) That's interesting. Um, Um, I was just too distracted by the word and me not knowing it to be like, to even process what was (laughs) happening. Uh, But yeah, things the movie does well. Um, Creepy child preacher. Yes. Great. And and Malachi. The kid who plays Malachi is really upsetting to watch do things. Yeah. Malachi, the the main enforcer for the child preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The line, Outlander, we have your woman. Yeah. Is pretty good. Uh Uh-huh. Um... As you said, Linda Hamilton is, is in it. It's a big bummer though because good. her like her like flimsy floppy husband is the one who's like running around hitting things with hammers and Linda Hamilton just gets grabbed by children's and tied to a thing. Right. And when think, we all know that she could kill all of them. Yeah, I think if you made this movie exactly the same and just swapped their roles, it would immediately be fifteen percent stronger. Because the dude he's just like a dude, you know what I mean? You're like if and any, almost any person, if you're surrounded by a big mob of kids, you're going to get knocked down by a big mob of kids. But like oh, Linda yeah. Hamilton in 1984, legitimately, I feel like could beat up any amount of children. Yeah, she's not that far away from killing a Terminator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's um, like clearly ripped and like has the the mental fortitude. And I even like Peter Horton, the guy playing her husband, well enough, but I it, he's no Linda Hamilton. No. Um, I don't know. So other things they do well. Uh, not really violence. The violence is is pro forma and pretty boring. Yeah. Um, not really art direction, Mm-mm. except for the occasional use of corn. Yeah. In and it was nice that I could like sort of tell the corn was moving itself around. Yeah, that was kind of nice. Um, I liked though. I can't. I don't think that the qualities I appreciated were intentional or that most people would appreciate this, but I liked how completely janky CGI the monster was when it came to Eat Isaac. It is it is a really charming... It's it's rare that I look at early CGI and I'm like, I, I don't think it's just awful, but this monster is really nice in a like goofy lo-fi way. Well, because they don't even really try to make it look like a monster it's just no. some strange digital effects eating him yeah which i really appreciated it, yeah, kind it just of looks feels like, like that's what the eaten. monster is yeah it kind of looks like he's getting eaten by the pres- by the predator's heat vision <laughs> yes yeah i feel um, like usually well yeah yeah i don't need to talk more yeah <laughs> um 
And my, so the only other thing I wanted to talk about was my absolute favorite thing in the movie, which is after they blow up the monster, they're all running away. Mm-hmm. And the kid yells, is it dead? And the guy mm-hmm. says, I think so. And the kid just stops running and goes, then why are we running? And the guy has to grab him and go, no, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Which I, again, I, I laughed. That is a genuinely way too inspired loud beat. and way too hard. <laughs> then why are we running? <laughs> Just and it's so little kid. It's yeah, like yeah. so genuine. Like that's what a seven year old would do. Probably the only good child writing in the movie. Yes, I, writing kids is super hard, and I understand that. And I think most of the people who do it should maybe not try to mm-hmm. do it. Um. And I think most of this movie, and like this is a movie about a precocious kid leaving, leading some other kids, so it like makes sense that like the main kid doesn't talk like a kid, but the rest of them could talk more like kids. Oh yeah, for but, sure. But that that beat is very seven year old. Yeah. Um, if we ever get Adventure Girls made, we then have to make a sequel that is the Adventure Girls version of Children of the Corn. Oh please, um, corn, corny girls. <laughs> um. Celery has become <laughs> Isaac, essentially, from her head injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she can see he who walks among the rose. Um, can we? Can it be he who walks among the roses, and it's like all rose bushes instead of yes, corn? Yes, it's much because more then everybody going through it gets hurt. Yeah, and even if fits, the rose bush isn't trying to hurt you, you just fits with towards. our franchise. It's just difficult. Yeah, <laughs> just constant pain. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I at least thought was funny, though mm. also very bad, was mm-hmm. that the movie just ends. Yeah, on oh, the most so lackluster moment. Yeah, it just like they do the obligatory, uh, you know, the monster's not dead scare, but it's just a girl mm-hmm. hid in the car, and yeah. then he deals with it with no problem, yes. and then they just start walking away, and the credits start rolling. Yeah. Yes, it's, yeah, it's not even it was very funny. It's like there. Are, there are a couple of moments where you could end it before that, and you'd be like, ah, yes, that was the end of the movie. But it feels like they just, it, like, runs out. It feels like they were like, ah, we meant to put one more thing in, but it fell, uh, we lost it somewhere on the floor. Um, it's just, <laughs> yeah. they're like, yes, this is where we ran out of frames, so the movie, yeah. it's so credits. It feels yeah. super, yeah, it's just, ah, okay. um, Yeah, bad movie, bad movie. Yeah. Um, not the worst movie. On the Cujo the, scale. Not the worst movie. Two. Yeah. It had more... It, it was more fun than Cujo. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. Bad movie, but yeah. could I see myself putting this on again sometime while I'm watching Dishes? Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. There's definitely enough to enjoy while you're washing Dishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, Am if I... you had to cut 35 potatoes. Yeah. Am I really genuinely curious and probably going to watch the sequels? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, in that sense, somewhat of a success. Somewhat of but, a success. Good uh, Certainly not. I, I don't know. I feel like this one falls... It, mostly on my side. It's on your side. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'll go ahead and say it's on your it, side. It, e- even though I column. mean, seeing a nine-year-old with a weird voice be crucified <laughs> in a cornfield almost tips it over. But right, um, we're we're gonna say this is this is not uh, not Prime King. You could so. cut this down into a 12-minute movie that would be like pretty decent the full runtime it so one of the things i was thinking of when i was originally putting together our list of stuff to watch was whether or not to try to track down short films because this Uh, was made as a 12 minute i think short film called disciples of the crow before it (laughs) got made as a feature film oh interesting 
Um, my fear with Stephen King short films is that he has that like one dollar deal for students, so there have to be eight hundred Stephen King short films that are probably not that I'm going to say student films are are a hundred percent bad, but I'm sure a hundred percent of them are bad. So probably, but yeah. this is one of the only ones that I found listed on things. So it yeah. may have something well, and if it's to before this, then I don't think he had made that deal yet. I think that it must have been like a. I have no idea. It no. might have been a student film, but it might have been... I feel like student films in the 80s are different than student films in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. Because student films in the 80s are people who are insane enough to think that they can make a movie as a student. Yeah. And people in the 90s and 2000s are people who think who that like, they're going to be the next Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or Blair Witch Project. Yeah. And some of them are. Some of them are. All right. This has been another... Bone chilling installment of Hell to the King. Uh, that's, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to round out this first week in October with Drew Barrymore in Firestarter. You said this one's good, right? You remember this one from when you were a kid? I am pretty. Yeah, yeah. I remember vaguely remember watching it and I remember it being good. Okay. I yeah. definitely, I, I, I am hoping. I'm always hoping for goodness, even though it. Of course. Bad movies mean I win. Sure. But bad still, movies still mean but I bad lose. Bad movie also means you're bored for two and a half hours. Which yeah. Is, so. uh, worse, I would rather lose and be happy than win and be bored. Yeah. All right. So we'll be back tomorrow to start a fire. And yeah. See you tomorrow, jerks. Yeah. Uh, sleep like the dead. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast. Produced by Iguana Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak and by Grungly Jim. Hell to the King is recorded live before our parents come home and find out what we've been doing.